everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Uh, in a usual episode, uh, which this is both a usual and a somewhat themed episode, we each bring a fic to discuss, and this episode, Nick is up first. So, Nick, what is your fic? My fic for this episode is called The Seventh Test by AO3 user, my lord, she's a cactus. And <laughs> there's no way to say it that's not really fun, so thank you to this AO3 user. Um... It's an original story on AO3, so not for any particular fandom, um, but it deals a lot with like fairy tale elements and fae mythos. I'm very excited. It's a very fun one, and it fits our theme perfectly. Brenna, what's your fic for this episode? My fic for this episode is The Art of Negotiation by Language Escapes. Uh, it is for the TV show Elementary, and it also perfectly fits this theme. Reed, what's yours? My fic which I'm going to attempt to say with, like, the right amount of, like, gravitas yeah, without... Commit, commit. Um, but I can't, I'm not going to scream. That's not going to happen. Have to scream. No, just gusto. Read gusto. Okay, I'll try to do it with gusto. Um, listeners, this, this title is in all caps. <laughs> um, so... <clears throat> I stop to smell the blood in the trees, and for a moment the world is so beautiful it brings me to tears. My <laughs> okay. perennials. Yeah, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. You can do um, it better. When we get to your discussion, you'll do it better. Okay, I'll brainstorm. I'll try to I'll try to channel that TikTok audio I was talking about where Justin goes, Welcome babies. Yeah. Uh-huh. To the haunted castle. The scary castle <laughs> with a hundred rats. Sounds yeah. Good. yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I can't wait f- to go to the haunted castle with the hundred rats. Take I me think, there. I think Link could probably wait. Which, on that note, by the way, my fic is for <laughs> Breath of the Wild. <laughs> um, and it is Link Zelda. And we are in Reed's video game corner. I'll have theme music during my little fic bit. And yeah, my fic, I think, is also on theme. And Nick, as the resident person uh-huh. who has um, made all of the themes that we've done so far for our monthly they themed episode. collab. Well, they were your brainchild, so I feel like you maybe should be the one to introduce what's going on here. Yeah, well, this one definitely was me. (laughs) Happy November, everyone. As you know, if you're listening to this podcast, November is No Nut November. I guess you might know it if you're not listening to this podcast as well. (laughs) And you, like, might not know it if you are listening (laughs) to this podcast. No, they know, they know. So, Brenna's mom listens to this podcast. Yeah. Brenna, you can teach her beforehand. I'm not going to. I'm just going to say, if you have questions, don't worry about it. And also, definitely don't Google it. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we decided to all bring fix. How do I say this? In which there's no netting. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Nobody nets in these fix. And we're stoked about that. Um, I'm going to be honest. This is one of those Never been more excited. That, like, started as a joke. And then we just were like, well, I guess we're just doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Truthfully, far easier than some of our themes. Yes. Significantly easier. Um, so I, I had a pretty easy time finding a fic for this one. I don't imagine my co-hosts were suffering too badly. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong about that. I did not suffer. (laughs) Um, this was probably the easiest time I had finding a fic. Um, I had ideas going in for once in my life and then they also really, 
those ideas manifested <laughs> quite quickly in my AO3 searches, which was delightful. <laughs> I think the most stressful thing was literally just that I put myself on a time crunch, but like I was not like lacking for a fix to look through. I also really appreciated, as you were saying, that this like started as a joke and then just like kind of became the thing. Brenna's been sending us a lot of preemptive spoilers without context for the past couple <laughs> weeks that have been very funny. Well, people were busy being funny online, so then I took what they had said because they were funny, and then I sent it to my co-hosts. I did realize in our pre-discussion last night that um, while my fic fit the theme, uh, my co-hosts were like, yeah, I've been crushing it this month. And I made myself a delicious pasta two nights ago that had roasted slivered almonds. So um, if that pasta was in this fic, I would have failed. I would have failed. <laughs> I would have been nuts in my fic. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. I did I did think about that. Um, I have been doing an okay job at being nutless this November. Mm-hmm. Um, I have consumed some peanut butter. Though I also now hate the implication that we have to like consume nut to, to fail no nut November. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. Well, Brenna, yeah, how, okay. your, how are you doing? Not very well. I'm oh, really sorry to hear that. Yeah, I would like. Mm. <laughs> I like want to make a clarifying statement, but I also don't want to talk on this topic further. Yeah, I know, right? yeah literally. Yes, I don't think any of our fix include any sort of of nuts. No, no, you're wrong. We googled last night. Acorns are true nuts. Oh f. Okay, I forgot <laughs> about that. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry, everyone. I tried. <laughs> sorry, I don't know why the full swear word didn't come out of my mouth then. But no, I, I guess like it's that, better yeah. for our for our um. We our don't metrics. have a rating on this podcast. We swear all the time. <laughs> it's explicit because we swear it all is the explicit. time. Okay, yeah. well. Shoot, <laughs> Those, that dang acorn. Oh, darn. <laughs> what are we even talking what about? What <laughs> Hey, Nick, your like Zoom background is has palm trees. What do you think about coconuts? I think coconut shavings are fun as like a froyo topping, and I also like coconut macaroons. Mm. But like, do you think like a coconut would be a problem? This month? Yeah, I mean, of course. Or like in these fix? Of course. Like, is it a nut? Yeah, it's got it in the name. But I feel like it's not. Well, okay, if you want to be pedantic, but I feel like I do. Read. <laughs> can you can you update what us? What are true nuts? Oh, well, it's not a true nut. It's I know. Just a normal but... nut. Okay, I did just do a quick like control F um the word not in all three of our fix just to see. And the yeah. only instance was in all three of our fixes the word minutes. Oh, that's so, fine. That's oh, fine. excellent. Okay. okay. We're clear in that sense at least, even though Nick did a little bit fail because there's an acorn. But Yeah, I mean I guess like I've eaten a lot of peanut butter, but peanuts do not meet the botanical definition of oh, true, true nut. So that might also be I fine, guess I'm then. safe. Although, oh, I think I ate a muffin that had pecans on top, like in the little crumble no. topping. Oh, this is reminding me, I think it was our very first Ficklick PowerPoint night um, mm-hmm. where Dell oh, yes. did a PowerPoint that was about like technical, defi- like the botanical definitions versus like the way that people think about things. Mm-hmm. A um, banana's a berry. Which, a banana's a berry? That was my was one takeaway from the PowerPoint. Oh <laughs> I blocked that out of my memory for my own <laughs> self preservation, apparently. <laughs> 
Well, bananas are berries, peanuts aren't nuts. I don't know what a coconut is. <laughs> but it is a seed, but a seed can be a nut. There's one acorn in these fics and no other forms of nutting, so I guess we should get into them. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> no, no one wanted to rank their favorite nuts with no. me, so <laughs> Breno, do you wanna do you wanna rank some favorite nuts right now, like just off the cusp? Yeah, my favorite are peanuts. It's um, not a nut. We just went over this. Okay, but like in the sort of in if you're in the like grocery store aisle okay. and something is in the like nuts and dried fruit section, I'm counting it. Well, okay. Craisins. Okay. So, well, no, not the fruits. Craisins <laughs> are not my favorite nut. Nick, you're not. I do really like them, but yeah. Um, what is the like? Sorry, that was in bad. You're faith. taking a bad faith approach to what you know that Brenda's trying to say. I think yeah. you need to take a good faith approach to what I Brenda has been fine. trying no. to get us to do for the past ten minutes. No, which this is isn't rank nut nuts. November. This is no nut November. It's inherently negative. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so ranking my favorite Brenna things in the nut aisle are nuts, craisins, dried mango, <laughs> the little fruit leather strips, the apricots. <laughs> That's good audio. <laughs> yeah. I like macadamia nuts. Are pistachio, are pistachios oh, like I a real pistachios. nut? Oh, I love pistachios. Oh, pistachios are so good. Very good. I think my qualm with a pistachio is just that they're too expensive. I don't want to spend like nine yeah. bucks for like a little You have to just of, like, go harvest them. Pistachios. Like, okay. My, I, when I'm at my parents' house, my dad consumes a lot of pistachios and for a while I was like very alarmed because I would just keep hearing this like clicking noise while I was sitting at my desk and I was like what is that and then I realized that it was my dad sitting in his office just opening pistachios <laughs> like every day <laughs> uh, did y'all ever have a nutcracker in your home like one that you actually used to crack nuts not like the decorative ones but like the handy yes. ones yeah. there was one of my grandparents but never in like my house I was just gonna say it was my grandmother's we'd open the walnuts <laughs> It was exactly the same. We had one of my grandmothers that had walnuts, and then there were like um, things that fell from trees that weren't eight. chestnuts. There were chestnuts that we sometimes mm. would gather around her house that we also would occasionally use the nutcracker for. I'm also now remembering. I had like the decorative. I had the decorative nutcracker. Yes, I was saying. I'm just we remembering that there was one Christmas when I was younger where the only thing I wanted was a decorative nutcracker. I was like mm. obsessed, <laughs> and I was so happy when I got one. I was so excited. I like put it up in my room. <laughs> Okay, well, Ficklets, you can tell we've all really enjoyed talking about nuts and no nuts and nutting. Yeah. <laughs> in this uh, really... We didn't really talk about that last one. We could. Like... No. Oh, okay. It would be against the, the theme of this episode. Come on, Nick. Yeah. That would, yeah, that would directly be against the theme. Okay, can I just um... really quickly, I'm so, Brenda's mom, don't listen to this. I just, I don't know where else to say this. I did consider bringing an orgasm denial fic and just like couldn't find one that I wanted to bring for this episode. Okay, that's all. Thank you. No, th okay, that would have been very funny for the theme, really funny. but much more difficult to find. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was saying last night, like, it's hard to find one where, like, nobody nuts. Or right. even if they don't, like, how much can we really talk about that? Yeah. yeah that's the... that, like, can you find one with, like, a lot of plot, but then, like, also that? <laughs> There's, yeah. like, one scene of, like, hooking up, but in that one scene, nobody nuts. Yeah. And it's not like fade to black either. No. It's just like we're very clear on what happened. What <laughs> oh, to think about? Good grief! Anyway, I hate. Wow, I don't know about that intro. Good luck, Reed. <laughs> yeah, editing Reed, you've got this. 
<laughs> we gave you all kinds oh. of directions to take that. November. A cold month. Leaves fall. And nuts do not abound. In this, no, not November. <laughs> I don't know what that was. We must gather around the hearth. Throw your nuts into the fire. And bloom from the ash. Thank you. Wow. I went for a free verse that time because I thought it might be better. Yeah. yeah. Nick wants you to throw your nuts in a fire and rise from the ash. Ashling does a great job with all of the tests that the Fae put her to. Nick, let's talk about your fic. My fic for this episode is The Seventh Test by my lord, She's a Cactus. And it is an original work on AO3 for, like, kind of fey mythology, this whole idea of, like, the fey court and becoming immortal and falling in love with a fey and that being very dangerous and, like, court politics and things like that. It is a fem slash fic, our uh, protagonist, Ashling. Uh, rules. I love her. I'm a big fan. She accidentally stumbles into a fairy circle, hits someone with her bag in like a panic, apologizes, and basically uh, garners the favor of a fae princess. They fall in love, they're like dating for a while, and this fic picks up when Ashling is brought to the fae court to meet the queen. And yeah, basically this whole decision process around like, is Ashling this immortal worth being made immortal? Can she survive these seven tests? Wink to that's a title drop for you. Uh, in order to prove that she is worthy. So she goes through all these tests, and the fic is really about her playing playing the Fey game. There aren't any content warnings for this fic. I liked it so much and it was great. And I'm excited to hear about what my co-hosts thought about it before we dive in further. Yeah, I had a very good time with this. Um, it very much reads as original fiction, but I mean, it is original fiction, but I feel like it also has some element of feeling fanficy. I think both in terms of like the relationship, but also just like the fact that it's drawing from so many like fairy tale elements and kind of things that you as a reader might be familiar with just from other literature kind of gives you the sense of familiarity that I think is often like a key point of reading fan fiction, like that you're already familiar with parts of the world. But it was really interesting to see how this author like built out their own version of sort of the Fae and the Fae world and these little tests. Despite the very helpful title, I for some reason thought Ashling had to complete three tests or like tasks. So she finished the third one. I was like, congrats, girl. And I was <laughs> like, no, here's it. more tasks. And I was like, oh, I'm confused. But that was just um, simply a misreading on my part. Um, so nothing against the author there. <laughs> I'm a clown. Um, yeah, I definitely have some thoughts that I'm like excited to get into with this. But um, yeah, it was fun to like bring something that was original fiction um but i think like still very much can operate like within the world of fic as well like i feel like it really is like writing that line well yes um agreed to all of that i think it's interesting because we've said many times on this podcast we've brought things that are more technically fan fiction in the sense that they are like based off of a you know canonical media something that you're familiar with but they we've said like oh this feels like original fiction 
Whereas this almost has like the opposite where it is original fiction, but as Brenda was saying, definitely has some like fanfic feeling elements, um, which was nice because it does give it a feeling of familiarity when you don't already know the characters or the setting or the world or whatnot. Um, it's nice to have something to sort of like root yourself in. And I found this so delightful. I agree. I loved Ashling so, so much. Um, I was really rooting for her. She's so clever. Um, I think in general, people love like a sort of like, ooh, clever words and like trickery and like knowing that like everything has to be taken like literally, but there's also a twist, but there's also a loophole or et cetera. Like just sort of like being on your toes throughout the fic um, as Ashling's going through these tasks um was very fun i i was trying to sort of like play along almost where i was like hmm what do i think the loophole or the twist is here i got it for one just one of the tests um and none of the others i if i was in ashling's place i would have been probably devoured by the fake court mm-hmm. um although to be fair if i was in ashling's place and i had accidentally stumbled into a fairy circle in the first place i don't know that i could have just like navigated my way out of that like i probably would have died mm-hmm. there like i don't uh. even know that i would have gotten to the point of being able to sort of woo and date a fae princess before having to, you know, go through all these tests. Um, But yes, I had so, so much fun with this. It really was just very clever all the way through in a way that I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, with original fiction, especially like original, this is just under 10,000 words long. So like novelette, if you will. Uh, the the upper bound of a short story, certainly. Um, I think that pacing can be so hard. That's something I think about a lot when I'm starting a new book or I'm like reading a short story that's original. I feel like with fic, you get such a jumping off point most of the time because you have like some background and what's going on and you care and you're like excited to be there. Um, and with original fiction, I think I struggle sometimes at the beginnings of things. And I found myself moving through this at such a pace. I got through it so quickly. It felt like the pacing of the story really carried you through it. And I loved that about it. Um, I felt like Ashling as a main character, her POV really, really supported this story the whole way through. We were rooting for her. We were excited to see what happened next. I was super curious about what the tasks would be. This is a super ambitious story. I think anytime you're writing about cleverness and trickery, there is that challenge of not only are you trying to put your characters through their paces, but you're also trying to stay a step ahead of the reader. Not so far ahead that you've lost them, but just like a one step ahead, like, (laughs) check this out. Because you want to be surprised and delighted by what's going on in the story. And I felt like this one executed that super well. I also want to talk later on about some of the authors like notes that they made in the comments because they replied to some folks and did some more like explainers and I always love an extended author's note even if it's just like down in random AO3 comments I find that so like fun and exciting and such a thing about I don't know like it's not not a thing in original fiction for sure authors do interviews out the wazoo about things but I really like in fic it feels like such a nice little I don't know community oriented extension of a story and it feels even more like fandom hearted, if you will, that a lot of these extended notes are happening in conversation with readers of this story within the comments on AO3. So I loved that a lot. Um, but I think, yeah, my favorite thing about this, maybe out of a lot of things I liked, was how well paced I felt it was. I I read a lot of original stories um, for this <laughs> because that was just my brain was like, oh, yeah, no net November. Let's read original fiction. <laughs> hey it worked um and this one was the one that i enjoyed the most out of the handful that i picked up yes i thought it was very clever how the um author really managed to stay ahead of the reader i was not like trying to play along i was just like along for the ride but i don't think i would have like 
gotten them even if I was trying really like I'm not very good at those kinds of kind of puzzles um so it was very like satisfying to see how they played out each time um and I also liked how like each one kind of developed the world of the fae a little bit more for us too and kind of the rules of the fae uh because a lot of it is kind of like we know that there are these strict rules and like Ashling can't break the rules but also like not all the rules are like explained so there is this like wiggle room in which to kind of play but you have to be smart and careful about it which is how she wins her tasks but I think like it also continues to give us insight into sort of the mentality of the fey court and like how it operates in this world um which I really appreciated I have no idea if this author like has any desire to like publish fiction or not but I definitely feel like this is a story they could like develop into something to submit places like it could become more of like a little novella or something um it would probably have to incorporate a few of the things that they like mentioned in their comments, as you were saying, Nick, um, that I think kind of helped explain a couple things I wasn't as clear on while reading. But I feel like it's such a clever little world and also Faye stuff is really popular right now. Um, but I always like when there's like a little bit of a twist to it. And I thought what this one did with its world was really interesting. Um so I don't know, I found it, found it a very like satisfying little story to read, even as someone who like, I kind of avoid fae stories in like published media just because like, I don't know, uh, I don't really need like immortal sexy man falls in love with little baby girl, 17 year old naive from little mortal village. Uh -huh. um, but she's like, <laughs> like really every time. mature and beautiful, so... Right, right. Yeah, and fun. he's never found love in his 50,000 years of being on the mortal coil, he's so sad but he loves lonely. her. She needs a young she has to show the him it the way. factor. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't really like yeah. that <laughs> in my media. <laughs> I did read one Faye sort of fantasy story earlier this year. Um, uh, An Enchantment of Ravens by Margaret Rogerson, which does have a little bit too much of the immortal man falls in love with young naive girl for me. That was like the downfall of it in my mind. But I thought it had some really interesting stuff about Faze and it really made me I was like thinking about it a lot with this fic because um, I don't know. I find the like sort of question of like, does the human want to become immortal? Like if it's going to have a happy ending in our immortal Faye and our mortal human person in whichever pairing if they're going to end up together either one of them has to become like the fae person has to become mortal or the mortal person has to become immortal fae and like i feel like the question of that trade-off and how to navigate it and like is either one like a good thing in that world is like something that's very interesting to me um so yes <laughs> yeah going back a little bit nick to what you were saying about sort of um cleverness um and like wanting to stay a step ahead of your reader um i was thinking about how with especially with like i don't know D, &D is what's coming to mind when it's like oh i'm gonna build a character who's really clever or who's really like suave or whatever and then it's suddenly <laughs> like oh no i need to i need to be clever or suave like i can't just say that they are doing these things i have to like act them or like figure out how the character would be this way and it's it's a similar thing with writing where it's like uh, how, how do you demonstrate those attributes to your readers? And I think one of my favorite sort of like wordplay turns of phrases in this fic was um, backtracking a bit. Ashling has 
some more formal tests where like the queen and um, Moirin, who is like her lover, like Moirin's sister who hates her. She's an evil snake princess. Um, there's the times when the queen and the like snake princess are more formally like here is your task. And then there's other times where like Ashlyn gets sent out on little errands and she's like, I am smart enough to know that this is a test in its own right. Um, and so it's one of those where the queen is like, oh, like if you wouldn't mind like running just a short errand for me, I need you to get a golden acorn. Um, so this is where Nick fails. Uh, no, not November, but that's fine. Um, and like, you know, the queen says, don't worry about the dangers. Like, it'll be fine. Just um, follow the path of the stream and tell no one what you're looking for. And Ashling's like, great. And as she's walking along the stream, she comes across um, another person who is also mortal, who is the queen's attendant or like was a mortal. I a mortal not immortal to be clear <laughs> yeah. um and uh like ashling's talking to her and she's like oh who are you and the girl's like oh i like i don't worry about it i'm no one like blah 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 and they're talking and they're chatting and chatting and then they finally are about to part ways and ashling's like oh i never got your name and the girl's like i told you i'm really no one and she starts walking away and ashling's like wait I'm supposed to tell you what I'm looking for. And then the like the attendant gives her the golden acorn. And I was like, ah, tell no one. Yeah. Like Very what a, the Odyssey. I literally can say what an Odysseus, <laughs> like nobody moment. Um <laughs> So for my friend Brenna, who maybe is not as much of a Greek myth nerd, um, Odysseus, he's traveling for so many a year. And mm-hmm. um he comes across an island of like Cyclopses. Yeah. Um, and he's like in a cave and he tells the Cyclops, like the big one, basically, that is like trying to eat him and like all of his crewmates, uh, that his name is Nobody. And he keeps saying mm. his name is Nobody. And then he ends up blinding the Cyclops. And as he's like running away or getting off the island, the Cyclops is like yelling out to his brethren. And it's like, and they're like, who did this? And he's like, Nobody. And they're like, OK, so you're an idiot. You did this yourself. And he's like, no, nobody did this to me. Nobody did this. <laughs> thank you yeah i didn't know that yeah the cyclops is like eating people and they have to like hide under sheep yeah he like they hold they hold the undersides of the unsheared sheep Mm -hmm. to sort of be hidden yeah um dang yeah but that was i think that was one of my favorite examples of like clever little wordplay in this fic that just i was like oh ao3 user my lord she's a cactus you're so smart (laughs) So kind of like Bren was saying, there are only so many happy endings to a story like this, unless you just decide to like end it earlier before mortality seems like it's playing a part, but then it's still bittersweet. Um, Ashling doesn't seem to have a lot of ties to the mortal world. She doesn't seem to be very concerned about the fact that she's left it maybe forever. Um, She's much more interested in navigating this fey world and trying to figure out how to stay alive and also be with her girl. Um... And the way that this fic ends is very fascinating to me because it does have that like happy turn. It also has like an interesting almost vengeance aspect to it. So Ashling is sent off to a part of the forest. This forest is quite dangerous. She's told generally to stay on the paths. Um, she's sent to a part of the forest that has hellhounds in it. She does not know that hellhounds are known to rip mortals asunder. They leave Fae alone, but they tend to just kill mortals indiscriminately. The snake princess, Moirin's sister, our villain of this story, tells Ashling flat out that the hellhounds will not harm her. Um, so Ashling goes into the forest, da, 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 meets some hellhounds. They are pissed to see her. They are very angry, but they are then kind of calmed down by her. She manages to bring the temperature down in that encounter and make it back safely. Uh, she does not realize that she has done something technically impossible. Uh, The hellhounds should not have been able to be reasoned with like that. There should have been no way, right? So she gets back to the court and there's this whole long conversation. And 
it turns out that how do I put this? Ashling becomes Faye on a technicality. She's already sort of becoming Faye as things move forward, in part because she is sort of outplaying a Faye at her own game. Um, she is managing the trickery. She is managing the wordplay. She is managing like being able to get across multiple meanings with her words. She's just very clever and she's very good at this. She is very well suited to the Faye court. So part of her is already kind of adapting and changing. But the thing that seals it at the end is the fact that the snake princess lied. Uh, as we know uh, from Fae mythology, a very, very central part of a lot of Fae stories is that Fae cannot lie. That is why they are so sneaky and clever with their wordplay. Uh, they will say something much more along the lines of uh, a sneaky, deceptive, and even malicious truth rather than lie to your face. The fact that the princess said the hellhounds would not hurt Ashling is a lie. However, by Fae rules, the princess can't lie. Therefore, Ashling cannot be immortal if the hellhounds will not hurt her. A mortal. Wow, that's a tough one. Yeah. Sorry for audio, yep. everyone. <laughs> Ashling cannot be mortal if the hellhounds did not kill her. Um, so on a technicality, because of the snake prince princess's murder attempt, basically, and deceit, Ashling becomes a fae in order to fulfill the truth of the fact that the hellhounds will not hurt her. Um, this was really fascinating to me. I did not totally pick this up on my own. I had like some ideas, but the author goes on to explain it in a couple of AO3 comment replies. Thank you so much, my lord, she's a cactus. Uh, I really appreciate <laughs> you doing that for those of us who could not get there on our own. Um, but it made me think so much about the, there's two tags on this fic next to each other, genre savvy and weaponized genre savvy. And this, this felt like such a good example of that, of if I know going into a Faye story that Faye can't lie, then I am going to be paying attention to the times when it seems like the Faye might be trying to lie. And we're turning that on its head and actually utilizing that as a plot mechanic rather than just taking it face value as part of the world building. So loved it. Loved that choice. Really, really fun and interesting and appreciated the uh, explanation because <laughs> I needed it. Yeah, I liked, too, that it was sort of like that moment with the Hellhounds was the pivotal turn, even though Ashling didn't realize it. But as you were saying, she sort of was already becoming a little bit more and more fey. It's either on this trip or maybe one just before it where she's walking and there's a stream and it's a pretty direct route to where she's going if she crosses the stream. And she has a thought to herself that is like, she knows that she is mortal and not fey, so she can technically cross running water, but it just doesn't feel right. Like she's in the fey realm, so she's going to play by their rules, so to speak. And like, to me, I was like, oh, okay, so like you, you already are at least like some a little bit fey. Like if... Not that Ashling was ever going to, like, turn around and walk out. That she, If she was going to turn around and walk out, it would have been at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, but it kind of was really making me think, like, to some extent, even though she wasn't fully Fae at that point, could she have even gone back to the mortal realm? Like, if she went back, like, what what would she have been? Because it wasn't quite mortal, but it wasn't quite Fae. Um, but I also agree that, yes, like, turning Fae on a technicality is such a fun and clever way to do it. And also just sort of on this topic and a little bit back to what Bren was saying about um, the story usually goes the mortal becomes fey or the fey becomes mortal. I did like that Moirin was like, I would like not only like, oh, I would have loved you if you stayed mortal, but in the very beginning too, it was like, you don't have to do this. Like I can just stay in the mortal realm with you. Like you don't have to be putting yourself through these trials and in such danger. And Ashing's like, no, this is what I want. And that was kind of nice too. And it does kind of speak to the idea that the Fey Realm is enchanting to mortals. Ashling is very savvy. She's very clever. Her eyes are open. But I also think that there is this pull that she feels toward this place that is beautiful and enchanting and dangerous and different that it also feels very genre appropriate for her to be like, I'm not going to leave this. Yeah. 
I do think it's good though that like or like I liked the choice that Ashling isn't like kind of immediately entranced by the fae at the beginning like she just kind of trips into the fairy circle by accident is like ah um I mean like again she kind of plays the game well but it seems like at the beginning she's kind of playing the game by accident before she like fully knows what the game is um and I like that choice a lot because I feel like we kind of get this understanding that for mortals who don't really know and kind of just like it might not end very well. There's like an allusion to people's memory kind of dissipating and them not really being fully themselves like after sort of entering the fae realm. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. Like I think part of the reason why it seems like Ashling is so able to navigate this is because it was sort of this slower development for her um, and that she like was able to kind of play this game without playing the game from the beginning. She does very much remain true to her sense of self, which is, I think, really yeah. nice. Like Nick was saying in the very beginning, she's got a very strong POV that um, you, or at least like I know that all three of us as readers, like very much enjoy being in. She's a really lovable and like interesting character. Like I really liked Ashling and the fact that even as she is becoming more immersed in the Fey realm, she still feels very true to the Ashling you meet at the very beginning of this fic, I think is also part of the reason why that ending feels good and satisfying and not like oh no bestie now you're stuck here yeah there's no way that this with this particular character in these circumstances she would end up there by accident (laughs) she has so much agency she is so aware of what's going on it just felt nice i feel like sometimes i read a book and i'm like can our main character do something as opposed to just getting sort of buffeted around by the winds of fate Mm -hmm. and this author's cool plot idea that they had (laughs) it's a lot i feel like especially with some of the like published fey media i've encountered it's either like so like oh our naive little girl is being buffeted by the winds Uh of fate or like she's a self-confident woman Mm -hmm. who can do whatever she wants and it's like still incredibly one note she puts out cigarette butts on her own skin (laughs) Right. I mean, maybe not in the face door. Maybe. Oh, maybe. That actually might be a fun turn. <laughs> but it often is just like so, like very much one yeah. end of a scale and like very one note with the characters. Like they don't get to have a lot of like depth or like contradictions within themselves. Um, I don't know. This is like, I feel like this is me hating on Akatar without having, <laughs> having read Akatar. <laughs> But you watched, like, I don't know what, like, three hours worth of YouTube yeah. videos explaining Akatar. So, like, you've, yeah. You've, yeah. 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 Can I make a pitch? <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. I think there should be a Hallmark movie that is about the Fey realm. Okay, because I think it's not actually oh. that different. Like, your high-powered CEO gal or whatever from the mortal world, aka the big city, who's feeling disillusioned with life moves to or gets stranded in for some time a different realm a small town um and meets someone from there that could be a fae um and has to yeah the tasks in the hallmark movies are often like successfully bake an apple pie endear yourself to this man's single daughter um yeah single daughter (laughs) only daughter (laughs) he's a single dad that's what i meant Uh, but there still could be some stuff. And then, like, the final trial is obviously, like, the, you know, the small town baking competition at the end where she has to set aside her pride 
and like win and then she can stay forever this is the same thing okay i need to get in touch with hallmark executives immediately there's an untapped market here of Faye story yeah, and joy yeah. charming town that she goes to that seems like more idyllic than like anywhere she could have yeah. ever imagined it's the Fey realm right and it's yeah. so, this is so easy like instead of oh my god my car broke down and i can't drive home it's like oh my god oops i ate a i ate like a food i ate an apple yeah whatever um and now i can't leave Uh oh and it's like hilarious hijinks but like she's frustrated at first because she's like oh my god i can't believe this but then she ends up like warming up to it and deciding to try and join their ways if you can't beat them join and there's definitely like a villainous kind of like parental or or step parental figure this is good Maybe you can team up with my lord, she's a cactus. Yeah. Because um, Brenna said that this could be expanded into something more like a novella or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe instead <laughs> it gets expanded into a movie script um, and the two mm-hmm. of you tackle the Hallmark mm-hmm. industry together. My lord, she's yeah. a cactus. Hit me up for this collab. <laughs> I would love to uh, be a creative partner. There's a growing market for sort of sapphic rom-coms. Yes. Um, I, think, I think you could pitch this to Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, who are you? yeah like don't worry about it it. i have a great idea don't worry about it i've got an idea (laughs) and you need to hear it (sighs) one other comment that i wanted to kind of touch on from this author uh reads in stories like this there are numbers with power i guess you could say three seven twelve you just see those numbers a lot they have weight they have significance so what you'll see looking at this story is three formal tasks and three hidden tests Things that weren't technically given to her as the tasks, but which were nonetheless testing Ashling in some way, whether she or the person issuing the challenge realized it fully or not. Sorting the grains, the challenge with the cup and the tree, the candle task, those were formal tasks given officially. Refusing the cursed dagger, wow, spoiler horns for the fake, beep pew, you're getting it all. <laughs> Figuring out, I should have done that before I spoiled the ending. Anyway. Figuring out the tell-no-one instruction and seeing through the snake's attempt to trick her off the path, those were hidden tests. She wouldn't have forfeited her claim by failing them, technically, but if she wasn't capable of figuring things like that out, even if she somehow survived, the queen might have granted her immortality, but she would never be fey. She just wouldn't be suited for it. The ones rigged by the elder princess weren't even intended as tests, they were intended as traps. And of course, the seventh test, which wasn't actually the grunt work chore of hanging up a set of wind chimes any more than that quest for a golden acorn was about the acorn. It wasn't intended as a test, but she passes it all the same when she demonstrates that unlike the elder princess, Ashling understands and follows the capital R rules. I liked this so much. It felt so like, like this is an author who loves this genre and who loves these kind of like tropes and mechanisms and loves playing with them and using them. And I felt like that was reflected so clearly both in the story and in the way this author talks about the story uh, in the comments. It just feels very like affectionate and generous toward the genre of like fairy tale retellings, fairy tale stories in general. And I liked that very very much and i also i love it when people like tell me about their process it's one of my favorite things so it felt like such a nice little bonus okay now i'm back to thinking about the hallmark movie pitch uh-huh, yeah yeah and like <laughs> please the like the like love inter- not the love the main character or whatever um like going through this thing and being like oh like and the love interest being like there wasn't supposed to be a seventh test like that was an accident or yeah, whatever yeah. and then like the main character being like oh rule of threes like it doesn't fit in neatly like just like so spelling it all out uh-huh, uh-huh. much less satisfying i think than the way this author has done it oh yeah the hallmark movie comments. would have exposition for days in the dialogue yeah 
Yay. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So what what is this place again? Oh yeah, let me explain it to you for like five minutes straight. <sighs> mm-hmm. That's okay. It doesn't have to be good. It would just be fun. That was our discussion of the seventh test by my lord, she's a cactus. And I think that this story demonstrated, and we'll talk about this through all the fix, I think, but demonstrated one really, really interesting way in which language can be the primary function of intimacy within a relationship. Looking forward to talking about other functions of intimacy in relationships. In our next fic, Brenna. <laughs> Why did you say it like that? I don't know. I got nervous. The energies. <laughs> the energies. They're collapsing. stressed out. Okay. My fic for this episode is The Art of Negotiation by Language Escapes. This is for the TV show Elementary and explores the platonic relationship between Sherlock and Joan. Um, If for some reason you aren't familiar with the TV show Elementary, it is an adaption of Sherlock Holmes. Um, It's formatted as a like detective crime procedural uh, set in New York City. Sherlock is still British, but Joan is uh, American, and she is a woman, and she is still a doctor, because that's that's the role a Watson's got to play. Um, <laughs> and she's played by Lucy Liu, and we love her. Um, truly one of my favorite Sherlock adaptations. I un- regrettably was deep in the soup of BBC Sherlock at the time that Elementary was getting made and did buy into the like, this is going to be terrible. Why is CBS ripping off the success of BBC Sherlock? And then it was like, no, this is actually very good and creative and lovely. And I absolutely love the Sherlock and Joan of the Elementary world. Um, so yeah, when we were talking about sort of themes for this episode, and I knew I wanted to bring something that like, was pretty platonic, like that's the direction I wanted to go. Um, I was definitely thinking about bringing an elementary fic because I knew that there were some kind of more like character-based studies or like studies of their sort of friendship and partnership um, that isn't a romantic or sexual one. I don't have like major content warnings for this fic. Uh, The stuff that it does include is pretty canon typical. Um, There's some references to uh, like off-screen murders and also like a little mention of Sherlock's substance abuse that's very present in the show if you've seen it. Um, and yeah, there is one sort of instance of him thinking about a murder in detail. It doesn't actually happen on screen, but there is like a description of it. So I think if you are familiar at all with the show, you should be good to go. But if you're not, that, there's some info. <laughs> Yeah, so this sort of uh, basically is organized as like a series of encounters between um, Sherlock and Watson as they sort of try and navigate living together and becoming sort of business partners, housemates, friends, um, the whole shebang. I thought it was just like really lovely and tender and I love these characters. So it was very fun for me to revisit. Um, My co-hosts, what did you think of this fic? Yes, in a um, pretty rare turn of events, this is a TV show that two co-hosts have seen and one hasn't, but the one who hasn't seen it is me, not Nick. <laughs> um, I know that is kind of whack. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you'll know that Nick is not the media expert of the three of us. Um, that's not distinctly the TV Brenna, expert but... of the three of us, please. Or the movies expert. I don't know anything like... about movies at all, correct? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you do know about this show and I do not as much. Um, I was like on Tumblr when it was like coming out and stuff. So I definitely saw things about it and I was like, Lucy Lou, that's cool. But I did not watch it. Bummer, read your loss. Yeah. I mean, I was also deep in the soup of 
uh, BBC Sherlock. So for wor- for worse and for worse, that's where I was. The soup of elementary was the better soup, Reed. Okay, but I should have come get over to the new soup. soup. It's not I was too not, late. I know, but you should have. I was not a little frog in a pot cooking in my elementary soup. I was busy. Well, maybe you should have been the freaking frog in your pot. Okay, right. It's not too late to be the frog in the pot. It's, it's still around. It's too late. I'm it's not, so not late. gonna go back and watch this Let's show. watch elementary, We haven't Reed. even finished White Collar. I know, there's so much of it left. Let's watch elementary. <laughs> Um, okay, well, regardless of whether or not I enter the soup in the future, um, at present, my experiences with Sherlock were largely BBC, and then I did also enjoy the Robert Downey Jr. movie adaptations, mostly the first one. Um, and I think that because I was not as familiar with this specific Sherlock, um, it did take me a little bit to sort of, like, get into... I don't want to say the rhythm of the story, but I guess, like, to, to sort of, like, groove with his POV. Um, something Brenna said in our pre-discussion is that with pretty much any iteration of Sherlock, you are kind of learning how to love him because he is, like, he is a little bit of, like, a know-it-all asshole or whatever. Whatever iteration or, like, personality traits he takes, he is generally somewhat of a difficult character. Um... And so I think maybe it worked against me a little bit that I was not as familiar with this version of Sherlock. Um, But that being said, I did still think this was a really interesting sort of portrait of a friendship. It's tagged for boundaries and negotiations. It's called The Art of Negotiation. And I thought it was a really like, yeah, like a really interesting portrayal of a very unique friendship dynamic. Um, They both have they're living together and they both have very different needs and wants in what they perceive to be an ideal living environment but they are both like coming at each other um with like yelling and like frustration but also very much with the desire to like work with what the other person needs and like figure out like okay like here are my habits here are my tendencies here's what I can maybe change or like here's what I maybe need you to understand from me um and I liked that I liked very much that it was not like I don't know, it wasn't just Watson the whole time being like, Sherlock, you're doing this and this and this and this and I need you to change or the other way around. Like, it was very much both of them being like, here are things you're doing that I would like for you to alter in some way or why I'm concerned or why I'm frustrated. And the other person being like, well, here's why I did that. But okay, I see your point and I will see what I can do to accommodate what you want um, or like what you need. Um, And that I think I really appreciated. It was just like a really nice portrayal of communication, even as... um, atypical that communication might look like um and there was just some very sweet friendship moments between watson and sherlock that i also appreciated so yeah i really enjoyed this i have seen some of elementary we're very proud it came out during my like tv era uh friends of me would recall that (laughs) like four of my early fandoms were all tv shows maybe even more than that i i watched television you kidding um when i was young <laughs> literally a decade ago no like eight years ago <laughs> and prior to that yes um but i did enjoy it very much i preferred this one to bbc sherlock i was maybe like doing backstrokes on the surface of the bbc sherlock soup at times um but i enjoyed this show quite a lot and watched it when it came out So I liked this fic a lot, not to be getting on my soapbox, but I feel like this is such a great example of how healthy communication doesn't have to be boring. (laughs) Like, it can be fun and interesting and comical 
to set boundaries and like have frank conversations with somebody that you're close with. I just really liked that so much. I liked that there was such a variety in things that they were negotiating about. And I am always, it's a little bit different from this, but I'm always such a proponent I want more fic of people navigating like the early waters of a relationship with each other. Um, so many fics, and I understand why, and I've done this a million times myself too, end with like the getting together of the couple, right? And I always want so much more about like negotiating boundaries with a new person and figuring out who you are in relation to somebody and like feeling out the dynamic of a relationship that has changed in some way. So I feel like this fic though it very much was not like about romance, still because they are living together and working together and such, um, felt like it hit on that theme in a way that I really enjoyed. It's a fairly lighthearted fic overall. There are a couple of heavier moments that are really like specific to the kinds of things you'll see in the show's canon. Um, but for the most part, it moves pretty quickly. It's not very long and I would totally recommend reading it if you're like, oh man, elementary, I remember that show. Uh, because I found it to be a very fun jaunt down memory lane. I would not have, if you had asked me what's every show you've ever seen like two weeks ago, I don't think I would have even named Elementary. <laughs> so it was nice to remember it. Yeah, I think something I really enjoyed about this fic is that they're having to negotiate at the same time with one another um, and like how to kind of not just mesh their personalities together as two people, but like also mesh those different dynamics together. Like they are now housemates. Which is like one whole dynamic that takes its own conversing and like boundaries and negotiations. They are also business partners, basically, um, which is a whole other thing. M maybe they're becoming friends, um, which is like a whole third thing. <laughs> um, like and they're sort of transitioning. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, like, <laughs> we know we know about the friends, business partners, housemates, <laughs> um, yes, negotiations. <laughs> Although we've gone in a different we've gone in a different order of events <laughs> yeah. than um, Sherlock and Joan. But yeah, I just I feel like that added these layers of depth for me and like made it also feel a little bit more like real world where you kind of just end up having these overlapping dynamics with different people and like your life doesn't always fit people neatly in one box or another box like oftentimes the people who are closest to you like occupy multiple boxes um and I really liked how the different scenes that this author chose kind of showed us different sides of those different relationships um like there's some that are much more just like, how do we live in this apartment together? And some are much more like, how do we work together? How do you organize your case files? How do I also understand your case files? Um, and like they're also in our closet in the house that we live in. So it's very like overlapping elements of their lives. And I just found that that like made this very rich and compelling for me. And like, I don't know, made it feel very grounded because I think something that I really enjoyed in the actual canon of Elementary 2 is like how the writers handled Sherlock and Jones' relationship and the development of, of it over the seasons and like them becoming very much close friends and partners in many senses of the word. Um, not not in a romantic or sexual way, but kind of in like a bit of a life partnery way, I feel like. Just like they are living these lives so entwined with one another um, and like very much each other's, a big part of each other's support systems. Um, and yeah, I felt like this, this fic was just a really nice little window into that, especially into like the early days of it. Um, yeah. 
And I think negotiation is exactly the right word for what's going on in this story Mm -hmm. and between the two of them, not in a transactional sense, but in a very specific push and pull, give and take through conversation where they ideally are both getting what they want at the end of the day. Some of them are more high stakes than others. Uh, Some of the negotiation is a little bit sillier. There's a mix. One of my favorite ones is right towards the end where Sherlock is like, Joan, you gotta take self-defense classes. And she's like, well, you're taking them with me and also you are wearing these neon green leg warmers to do so. (laughs) And he's like, well, I guess that's what it takes. (laughs) it's just really lovely like there is this consistent element of fun between the two of them where they are both these kind of like people who have been challenged by life and by each other in certain ways but who have not lost this desire to like smile and laugh about stuff and that felt really appropriate to all of these conversations they're having because if it wasn't fun i think this fic would have been a slog Like, "Mm, I don't like that you do this. Mm, I don't like that you do that. Mm, Do this differently. I don't know why they're going, "Mm," but it's the vibe. (laughs) (laughs) Just the energy. Um, So it was really nice that it maintained a levity that allowed this to feel both realistic and enjoyable from within the story and also just like the experience as a reader. Yeah, I think there's definitely like a an underlying humor to it. And I think part of that comes from Sherlock's like almost matter-of-fact POV that is not actually matter-of-fact in the slightest. Um, Like, I'm thinking about there's, like, a line where um, he's like, oh, there's no such thing as chaos, just merely a pattern too large to observe immediately. And literally, like, three sentences later, as he's looking at the file boxes that Joan had rearranged, he's like, they are, in fact, utter chaos. And it's like, (laughs) he's not meaning to be humorous, but it is bringing, like, that levity and that humor to it. And like, like you said, Nick, it's making it fun. It's not just, like, I'm so betrayed. How could Watson do this to me? How could she possibly dare to mess up my files in this way? It's like, okay, like, let's take a look at what's actually going on here. Definitely. And like, I don't know, I think something that I really respected about Elementary and like a reason why I went looking for fic for it and what I think this fic demonstrates so well is like how Sherlock and Joan are able to kind of fit together in all of these ways that like aren't romantic and sexual. Um, And like, it's not an easy thing to do to like develop that push and pull and to sort of learn to negotiate and compromise with another person, um, especially when it like involves so many aspects of your life. But I don't know, we were talking about this in pre-discussion a little bit and I was laughing because I feel like so many adaptations of Sherlock Holmes when both Holmes and Watson are men is very like, ooh, and there's like always an undercurrent of like, hmm, <laughs> you know? And I really like that it's, like, the one time that they make them, like, a man and a woman where you're, like, I was dreading. Like, the thing I was really dreading about Elementary was that they were going to, like, make it, like, five seasons of, like, will they, won't they? Because now Watson's a woman. And they love that they were, like, absolutely not. They won't. They're the bestest (laughs) of friends. (laughs) Do not even think about it. (laughs) Um, And I don't know. That just, like, delighted me both from, like, the sort of production standpoint of the TV show, but also just, like... It made me so happy that people in fandom wanted to still write about their dynamic when it's not romantic or sexual, because I feel like so often, so often, like, fandom only gravitates towards the things that they can make into a, like, romantic ship, um, or, like, things that are canon romantic ship, or that we're getting queer baited about, (laughs) BBC Sherlock, um, 
And I appreciate it so much from like a fandom and fanfic like stance that people saw this dynamic and was like, this is still really interesting to me and really rich and compelling. And like, I still want to write about it, um, even as they like, like, I don't know, even, but like, as they are a platonic pairing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just found that really rewarding as like a reader here. To me, this also, like, as a show, feels like the way to... Because I feel like people in fandom sometimes are like, oh, can't things just be platonic? Meh, meh, meh. But they're often saying it in, like, a homophobic way. <laughs> Whereas mm, this yeah. feels like the answer to that question in a way that I really like and enjoy. And like, yeah, can't some things be platonic every now and again, folks? Like, sometimes that's a really cool and interesting dynamic to explore, primarily when the expectation is that a show or media platform or like writer would take it in a romantic direction as opposed to like don't make it gay everyone they're brothers like okay well if they're actually brothers uh, it depends on the fandom hold I mean, on fair point on that one <laughs> i'm just thinking about teen wolf okay i'm i'm mad again at people being like scott slash styles is a terrible ship can't things just be platonic also styles should be with an adult man while he's in high school <laughs> anyway yeah boo hey i'm so sorry to the sterikers that have to listen to our show <laughs> i am not i am not <laughs> you know i feel like at the beginning i was like oh i just want everyone to like us and now i'm like nope <laughs> all press is good press baby oh boy if you if you want to dislike me because i hate steric you are welcome to you're only furthering brenda's you righteous my cause. mind <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just run a soapbox and she will be on it. I will. Um, I was thinking about sort of the different types of relationships, though. I was thinking a little bit about the Minsung fic we recently read, Slip Safe, which is so interesting because in that fic, the central premise, in case you didn't listen to that episode, is basically that like Minho's gay and Jisung isn't. Yeah, you should read it and also listen to the episode. But Minho's gay and Jisung isn't. And basically, they're like, that's okay. I still love you. You're my favorite person and I want to spend my life with you. And we all kind of had the comment that like it it had a lot of romantic feeling to it, even though sort of the central premise was not ever that Jisung was like, oh, it turns out I am. I'm, I'm gay specifically for you, Minho. Like that was not what happened. Um, but it is making me think about how much all three of us were like, oh, I really, really liked seeing a dynamic that was different, that wasn't just the like cut and dry Here's the getting together. Here's the relationship. Here's the the romantic, sexual, blah 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 aspect. Um, and we've talked about a number of fics on this pod at this point that are more friendship based, but I think it is something so nice and refreshing when that like really strong platonic bond does come directly from the source material and isn't just fans having to be like. We care about strong platonic bonds, and here is my 60k fanfic ode to it. Like, it's also nice when the show is like, these relationships matter too. They're important. They're worthwhile. They're meaningful. Oh, elementary. I have to rewatch it. I have to go rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Reed, I hope you're excited. <laughs> well, I can do it on my as own. I say, Bren can watch elementary on her own. I'm going to FaceTime you and screen share. Well, okay. I can't screen share. I'll point my camera I'm at just elementary. Gonna, like, be in. I'm just gonna like be in the um like our chat room in the house all the time with elementary playing. Oh, and, like, if you want to watch them, come on in. Yeah, let's go. Party. This feels like the less aggressive version of um when I hadn't finished Harrow the Ninth, and so your way of trying to get me to finish Harrow was to open up to Orda's poetry and read it to me out loud in our apartment <laughs> yeah. because it was like a slow form of torture. Oh my God. This is the yeah. nicer version. I thought you were going to say the fic that you hadn't read that I needed you to read that I would try and gorilla pod fic at you. 
<laughs> I would just start reading it out loud. I guess that's just their strategy with yeah. Reed. But well, no, because like I don't, like, I don't need you to watch Elementary. I think you'd like it, but like I needed you to finish Hera. Was driving me nuts. Yeah, no, that's fair. um, yeah. So that was a real mission of mine that I had to accomplish in a different way. Bren, I have a question for you. Yeah. So recently I sent you a TikTok um, and it was with Taylor Swift. It's the audio that's like, check me. I couldn't lose. Like, what if I told yeah. you? Right? And it was like that song, mm-hmm. like none of this was accidental. And the like TikTok was about how if that song had come out when BBC Sherlock was at its prime, mm-hmm. the edits would have mm-hmm. slapped. And I do agree. Like, you know, the Moriarty edits would have been uh, on another level. hundred percent. And I would like if someone wanted to make it now, I would watch <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I would. Yeah. It would be incredible. I, Okay, I've I am now so distanced from the soup of BBC Sherlock that I too would really enjoy. I think <laughs> it would be so camp in edit. like the perfect way, and like I feel like someone on like TikTok would make it, but I'm just never gonna get that on my for you page. And in order to get that, I would have to get myself to like BBC BBC Sherlock. No, TikTok, and then you and don't, don't want to know. Either. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm sure it exists in some pocket, but I don't know. Want to know what that looks like? Oh yeah, because I've stumbled on some like very. <laughs> startling fandom pockets yeah. on TikTok. Can I add that not um, only would there be good Moriarty TikToks, but inferior supernatural Crowley TikToks to that song? Oh, a hundred percent. Oh my god. Hundo P. Yeah. I was gonna ask, um, it doesn't even have to be like her most, most recent album, but of like Taylor Swift's mm-hmm. like past handful, a couple of albums, like her more recent stuff, what song do you think would make a banger of an elementary edit? Like what would be oh my the fan vid you'd want to see like now in 2022? A current-ish Taylor song. Oh, that's really hard. I kind of want to say I don't know if it's like. Hmm. I think there could be a better one, and I'd have to think on it more. But the first thing that came to my mind is that you could totally make a like more Sherlock-centric anti-hero mm. edit. I mean, I think you could for almost any Sherlock, but I think it'd be in a sort of more earnest, self-deprecating way for this Sherlock, yeah. um, rather than a like. The vitter is calling him out, which it would be for like BBC Sherlock. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Yeah, That's a great answer. Thank you. Um. Anyway, I think you should all really watch Elementary if you haven't. Um. I also like one t- at one point in time while rewatching parts of Elementary was keeping track of basically times that they reused wardrobe pieces for Joan because something else that I really appreciate about the show and like sorry this isn't about this fic at all but I'm just talking about Elementary now is that. I feel like even though they make her very much like a fashion girl in a little bit of a sense, like she's super trendy and she's like, you know, wearing heels around and stuff, but they also like legitimately built her a wardrobe that feels like a real person could have it in their closet. Like she mixes and matches pieces repeatedly throughout seasons and stuff. And like, I find that so rewarding as like an audience member. And it is another thing that like makes the show feel more like real and grounded and also like i do believe that like lucy Lou's joan watson could wear heels to a crime scene and still like kick ass um there's other people that i don't believe that of when they're like and here is the badass woman detective who's like always wearing heels and blah 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 and i'm like let her wear a pair of sneakers are you kidding me um i have never gotten over but... the jurassic world movie where laura dern is running away from a t-rex in fucking heels and it's like in slow-mo and the t-rex yeah. is coming up behind her i think it was the t-rex maybe it was like the new modified dinosaur whatever it was she's in heels and i was sitting in the theaters like take off your shoes take off your shoes you're running for your life this is so infuriating I made so many derogatory comments while watching that movie in a packed theater that the people in front of us turned around to tell me to stop. 
<laughs> what derogatory comments were you making? I just hated it. I, I, I do have another thought related to the fic, if I may. Yes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, because I was talking Please. about healthy communication earlier, and I was thinking about how... Okay, co-hosts, are you familiar with uh, the Gottman method in couples therapy? No, nope. can't okay. say that I am. Great. It's time to learn, folks. Um, there okay, are, I'm are seven primary aspects of the Gottman method, including kind of like the different layers of the sound house relationship model. But the thing I want to talk about is the idea that uh, Gottman, so it's uh, John and Julie Gottman. They're both psychologists and they are married and are couples <laughs> researchers, basically. Why are you laughing? I, my brain gave me you're sick and you are married. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Phoebe. I don't even know what that... Okay, I'm just going to continue. <laughs> Based on their research, they predicted that there are four, they call them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. If they show up in your relationship, you are significantly more likely to get divorced or to break up. And oh, no. yeah, it's okay. not great. So the four horsemen are criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, and contempt, kind of in that order of severity, and they each have antidotes. Um, so criticism is kind of the obvious, like, man, Reed, you suck at this podcast. Uh, defensiveness <laughs> would be like, I don't suck. Like, I'm doing my best. I don't know why you're always getting on me for this, even though, like, let's say I'm showing up like 10 minutes late every time, uh, which I'm not. Ficklets, I'm on time. Uh, stonewalling would be sounds like I'm, someone who's defensive would I say. know it does I'm on time um, stonewalling I'm giving you the silent treatment basically mm. you're like refusing to engage with like legitimate conversations you want to have with me and then contempt is the worst one there are studies that have shown that the more like the more contempt you were the recipient of within a 15 minute conversation the more times you will be sick in the next calendar year uh, what it's a correlation uh, but the case for causation is actually fairly strong uh, in terms of like psychosomatic symptoms anyway all of the horsemen have antidotes um so you can like foster a culture of appreciation you can take responsibility you can like cool down and regulate yourself before having a conversation um and it's like this really you can yeah like turn towards each other basically instead of away and i found that so many of the antidotes felt like they were present here <laughs> for mm. joan and sherlock like they do have a cultural of appreciation culture of appreciation towards each other even when they're like a little snippy every once in a while like even when joan is like there are worms in the shower sherlock like he does take responsibility for it he's like oh yeah those are my worms <laughs> my bad <laughs> he then moves them to the sink which is not much better but don't worry they communicate about that um i just think there is something really cool about seeing i don't know these like theoretical models that i've learned about how to successfully communicate with somebody who you're like living with and spending a lot of time with um in an elementary TV fan fiction, <laughs> it's certainly not a one for one. I don't think that the author was intentionally emulating the Gottman method here. Um, but I don't know. I, I was thinking about that and about different models of communication and successful relationships, because this episode, I feel like so much is about relationships, even if it's not about nutting in relationships. Okay. This is I was so appreciative of your comment until that last bit and then I was mad. You gotta bring it back to the theme, so, baby. Go away. So, I'm a professional. I was gonna ask if you'd still be my friend if I was a worm, but I no longer know that I wanna be your friend if I was a worm. No. Brenda would be my friend if I was a worm. Yeah. Don't look don't look so shocked and offended. This is I'm really okay. sad. This is 
This is exactly like a couple episodes ago where I was talking about something vaguely poignant, and then you're like, this is just like the Shawshank Redemption, and Brett and I were both like, it was, there was though. a good point, and you've ruined it. Okay, if, okay, there's a huge difference between I wouldn't be your friend if you were a worm, and I'm connecting this in a synthesis <laughs> moment to another media property that has a similar archetypal theme, Reed. No, I'm mad. I'm mad that you brought up nutting in the middle of your very nice communications spiel. It wasn't in the middle, it yeah. was at the end. Worms aside. Whatever. So that was our discussion of The Art of Negotiation by Language Escapes, um, an incredibly lovely fanfic that I would definitely recommend to anyone looking for um, just sort of an exploration of platonic relationships or anyone who misses the TV show Elementary. In my fic, it deals with sort of two people negotiating their relationship uh, at the very beginning of their partnership together. Reed's fic deals with two people who have known each other for a long time, but had a gap of 100 years, and also one of them doesn't remember anything. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Let's do it. Reed? I stop to smell the blood in the trees, and for a moment the world is so beautiful it brings me to tears. That's good. Gonna... That was really good. Yeah. Okay. Should I just use that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Edit. Cut that into your <laughs> sentence. That was the title of my fic. Thanks, Brenna. <laughs> I had to I had to um, tag in a co-host because I wasn't sure, again, how to convey the title of this fic appropriately. Not only is it all caps, but there's no punctuation. Um, Nick, would you like to give a go at it? Yeah. I stop to smell the blood in the trees, and for a moment the world is so beautiful it brings me to tears. Great. Okay, now we've all taken a pass at it. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, this fic is by Perennials. It is for the fandom Legend of Zelda, specifically Breath of the Wild. The pairing is Link-Zelda. And as Brenna said, it is about Link and Zelda sort of navigating their relationship. Um... Oh boy. Okay. Hello. Oh, first of all, hello folks. Welcome back to Reed's Video Game Corner. Um, insert theme music. Reads Video Game Corner. Yes, I'm delighted to be back here. I'm also now like, oh God, how do I, in a way that is short and succinct and useful to our listeners, <laughs> synthesize the entire plot of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild so that this fix slash discussion will be fun to listen to? Um, basically... <laughs> Oh boy. Because this fic is set post-canon. So um, let me try to hit just the biggest points, I guess. You've got Link. He's really good with a sword. You've got Zelda. She's the princess of Hyrule, which is the region that they live in. Um, this fic takes place 100 years after an event called the Calamity, um, where Ganon, who is the evil guy in every single iteration of Zelda, he appears in different ways. In this one, he's like, it's like a giant sort of monstrous pig form thing um sometimes he's just a dude anyway basically a hundred years in the past um there was a prophecy that ganon was going to come back and so people were like well why don't we try to do something about this so they unearthed all of these machines they're like the guardians they're great they'll help us um they got four champions from like the four major realms um 
that became like the chosen uh zelda is allegedly has like some power that's been like passed down in her bloodline from like the goddess hylia that is supposed to be able to like seal away the evil um and link is just really good with the sword and he is her bodyguard um she's very resentful of link at first she's like fuck you like i can't get this power to work for me and you're so good and like you're the son of like a respected knight and everything's been good and easy for you and he just sort of like stands there and he's like okay um anyway so (laughs) they have like the four champions they're in these things called divine beasts which are these like giant animal-based machines everyone's friends they're all training together they're all getting ready to like fight ganon um and then when ganon comes he actually infects all of the machines everywhere across the land including divine beasts and kills all the champions um succeeds in killing link spoilers kind of um and basically ravages the whole world um as link is dying zelda finally is able to unlock her power wonderful She puts Link in the Shrine of Resurrection to go to sleep for 100 years in the hopes that when he wakes up in 100 years, he'll be able to actually kill Ganon for realsies this time. Meanwhile, Zelda is sort of just a disembodied spirit trapped in Hyrule Castle, doing her best to contain Calamity Ganon within the castle. Link, Um, Link, Link. Yeah, exactly. So the game starts and you wake up in like this like waterbed and she's like, Link. Link, you have to come to the castle, Link, Calamity Ganon, Link. Um, I will not be doing that, Zelda. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so when Link wakes up, he has no memories. He doesn't know anything. Or clothes. Um, He has no clothes, no memories, no weapons. He's a pathetic little boy. No. Um, It's very sad. Uh, And one of the things, one of the early people that you meet um gives link what is called a sheikah slate is just the nintendo switch put into the game um and it was zelda's 100 years ago and it has 16 photos on it um and if you travel to the places those photos were taken link can basically get like a little recall memory and like remember some stuff from the past um and also if you do go for the divine beasts you get to talk to the champions of old who have been trapped inside those beasts for 100 years so you get like little snippets of his life from 100 years ago but for the most part like link does not know anything he doesn't remember anything um or anyone and he is just doing his best to do what link has to do in every iteration of every zelda game ever which is defeat ganon tough um this fic assumes that you've done it unlike nix link <laughs> um nick's link will never do it <laughs> nix <laughs> link is a coward <laughs> Um, I have beaten the game once. I'm working on a second file. I'm trying to like 100 percent it. Wow, I'm fairly Sean, close. Um, so it's just a fun game. Jock of video games. <laughs> <laughs> a gamer, I guess, would be the name for that. <laughs> so yeah, basically, in this fic, Link does it. He succeeds. He kills Ganon twice because you have the final boss and like the final final boss. What? As sometimes go. That's not. Fair. It's like. Okay, you, you know in Taz Balance when they're fighting John and then they like kill John, but then he comes back form. like stronger and bigger and whatever. Yeah, his final form. Like it's a pretty common video game trope. So, you, so you fight Ganon and then you like fight Ganon again. Anyway, um, Link does it and Zelda's back in her body. And now what? Now it's just the two of them with the remnants of 100 years worth of trauma and failures and grief um, and only each other. And they are trying to figure that out like together um that is what this fic is about so in terms of content warnings um i would say like it's pretty typical to the video game like it definitely gets into some like of the injuries especially like links like dying um but like not in a super graphic way more graphic than you get in the video game but again not like a ton um and again there's like you know grief and trauma and stuff that they're sorting through but i don't think it's like super super heavy but it is 
sort of the central premise of this fic. So those are the content warnings I would give going in. Um, yeah, I don't think that was short at all. I'm so sorry. It's a it's a game that people sink hundreds and hundreds of hours into. Some people. So there's a lot. Yeah, that's true. Some people. Um, so there's a lot of ground to cover. I liked this so much. I love this video game. It's one of the best video games ever of all time. Um, I'm not the only one who said this. <laughs> Many people have said this. It's a very fucking good game. Um, and I really liked getting to see this sort of exploration of what like post canon might look like and all of the... I don't know, when you take sort of the like funnier, jokier parts of the game out and you try to think of them a little bit more like real and present, what does that look like? That is the question I think this fic was asking in part, and I liked the way it asked it and went about it. Um, for my co-hosts, who I subjected to my video game corner, how did you do with this fic? I love it. You took us to your video game corner, but I was already here, baby. Uh, <laughs> playing whatever that point-and-click detective game that I have on my Switch is called. <laughs> Creek or something, whatever it is. Uh, good game. Fun times. Um, I'm getting towards the end. It's very exciting. Nice. I liked this fic very much. I think Breath of the Wild is a very pretty game. I like to, I when I had a horse, I would ride around on my horse peacefully. Lost that horse, unfortunately, uh, and then got stuck in the desert. So that's been you tough. Can, you can have multiple horses and you can get them anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can try, Reed, but when you're stuck in the desert and you keep dying... Well, okay, you can't really take your horse into the desert, but you can bring your horse to a stable so that you can take it almost anywhere else in the game. Did okay, not do anyway, that at all. Okay, that horse is gone, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, however, um, I think it's a very pretty game. I have enjoyed uh, the the some time I've spent playing, even though I have felt just incredible guilt, and this fic has only worsened that guilt at the times I've left Link <laughs> like on a cliffside overnight while it's raining, because I'm like panicking, I'm, like, don't move, don't move, and he's there for hours, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, this is the worst night of your life, <laughs> except it's not, because then there's like a worse one later when I do the same thing, but in even worse <laughs> conditions. Uh, regardless, um, I love an exploration of trauma, and I feel like Link is such a great candidate for that. My god, the dude has been through a lot. And I liked that this fic really leaned into what would happen after you win this last fight and you settle down and you have to then reckon with everything you've been through, right? It's this very common thing that the moment you feel safe is when all that stuff catches up to you because you're out of that fight or flight survival mode. So I thought that it was just a really smart premise. It totally feels like the kind of fic you would write after you finish Ganon and you finish like killing Ganon and you yourself are like, now what? And you're like, hmm, I wonder if Link and almost said Zelda Zelda would be <laughs> feeling this way as the well. The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> That's the game I'm playing. It's like the knockoff <laughs> version like on the black market. It Mine is not like a legend. Seconds. Mine is like the tale of Zelda. <laughs> the tale of Zelda. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it does feel like, yeah, you, like, you get to this point where you're like, oh my god, I did all of this work. I tried so hard. To my understanding, after you defeat Ganon, you can't really go back to earlier points in that save, right? You yeah, can't like uh... undefeat Ganon? You can so if you try to go back into the save, it just takes you back to whatever your most recent save was right before the Ganon fight. Okay. So you can never you can never enter the game after defeating Ganon. Oh, I see, I see, I see. That makes sense. Isn't that what they like released? I thought there was a thing that they made that you could like play more. They came out with Hyrule Warriors, which uh. is like 
I don't know. You're a bunch of characters. It's it's like you just run around and like defeat like large mobs of monsters. Um, I think there is lore in there, but I never really played it. Um, that's I can't uh, remember what okay. that style of game is called, but it's not really for me. They did the same thing with Fire yeah. Emblem, and I was like, my kids, I'm not returning to you. Yeah, I don't. I feel like I was thinking of something else that maybe well, just doesn't exist. They're coming out with a brain. second Breath of the Wild two, which is not. It's yeah, called. Not that oh god. It's not Age of Calamity. I do want to play that. It looks so fucking far, good. I'm so excited. I'm excited. When does it come out? Next year. Like March. Aww. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna it to be a Christmas, yeah, But there's a new but there's a new Pokemon game coming out in two days I'm excited about. Okay, anyway. <gasps> oh, tell me about that later. Yeah. I, I want a new game. I haven't finished my current game, but yeah. Um Breath of Wild 2, which is not called that, but I still can't remember what the actual title is called, is coming out May 12th. Oh, Tears of the Kingdom. That's there we are. So far. Yeah. Wow. Well, exciting uh regardless i enjoyed this fic (laughs) in reading it i thought it was very good and interesting and i'm excited to talk more about specific parts yes i also know some things about the world of zelda um in my youth i attempted to play some zelda games on gamecube and i did very badly at them and i think if i had understood the internet better it might have helped because i would have needed to look up kind of how the heck do I play this game? Because I wasn't good at it and I kept getting stuck and I got very stuck very early and then I just got frustrated and I wanted to play Ocarina of Time, but I couldn't. And so then as an adult, I came back to them and I said, Breath of the Wild, I can do this. And I did some of it. I got a chunk in. I was doing okay. And then I got stuck at the top of a mountain with a minotaur and I can't (laughs) escape. (laughs) I think that's where I am. I haven't picked it up in like two years. Um, so some of the things referenced in this fic I was familiar with. Some, some of them I wasn't. The name, the names of everyone I was like, I don't know who you are. So that's cool. You're someone for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like the one thing that threw me off a little bit in my reading of this was just like, it is very grounded in the lore of Zelda, which I think is like a very cool thing on the author's behalf, just as someone who like doesn't know any of the names or like any of this like places by name or anything like that um i my brain was trying to work an overtime but it wasn't really working so i didn't know who anyone was um other than like lincoln zelda obviously but it'd be like oh here's this person and this person and they gave link this thing and i'm like i don't know um maybe (laughs) probably Um, but I did really enjoy, like, what I think this fic was asking and, like, the questions that it centered itself on. Um, and it is always fun to go to Reed's Video Game Corner. Um, and I think it's also interesting just, like, with a game like this, there is so much narrative built into the play of it, even as it's a very open world game as well. And so I think it's an interesting one to approach from, like, a fic standpoint and, like, see what people can do with it. Well, one of the reasons why I was like, this is one of the best video games ever and why lots of people feel similarly is because it is the first, like, proper open world iteration of, like, a Zelda game. Um, An open world, meaning you can, there's no set order of things. You can do things sort of however you want, wherever you want. Nick went to the desert, like, first, which is a bonkers choice. but It was, like, third. Okay, but still... I completed the whole quest. I was screaming the whole time, but I did it. I, like, went through the cavern, and I was like, ah. (laughs) Were you in, like, the Yiga clan hideout? Yeah. That's so miserable. That's one of my least favorite quests in the whole game. I I did it, though. I did it. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, but now I can't leave. I keep dying. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, But sort of ish to what Breno was saying, like, 
because it is so open world and because it does have a very rich and intense lore, I think it makes for a fun playground for people. Um, and there's like a meme that I've seen gone like in, in different iterations I've seen gone around and Brenna and I have made the same joke about like, you know, like Zelda's out here in the castle being like, Link. Link, I've been fighting for 100 years and you're busy like picking apples and catching fireflies and being like, do, 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 do. it's so lovely over here. Um, this fic read like the saddest possible version of that meme. <laughs> uh-huh. Because like it's, it's kind of nonlinear because um, it starts with Link beating Ganon, but it is also him sort of reflecting back on the winding path he took to get there. And he goes through it. He's, like, out on a raft in the middle of the sea kind of being like, why don't I just, like, walk into the sea and just leave it here? Like, what is the fucking point? I've already, like, lost all my friends and everyone who ever cared about me. I already failed once. Like, why am I even trying this again? Um, Or, like, you get sort of one of the earliest scenes where the ghost of Zelda's dad is like, here's what you've got to do. And, like, the link of that time is like, oh, all he needed was, like, a stick and an apple and he'd be able to go fight Ganon and the person that he is when he actually goes to fight Ganon is so broken, is, like, has grown and is stronger in some ways and smarter in some ways, but is so much heavier for the burden of knowledge that he has gained. Um, so I was thinking about that a lot um, and and about, like, why Link is such, like, a character that people love to sort of pick at. This is one of the most chatty Links I've ever seen. Um a lot of people had canon Link as mute, which makes sense. You never get um, spoken dialogue for him in game. In this one, there's the implication of dialogue. Like you can pick things and also just like in conversations you're talking with, like you're having with people, it sort of implies the other half of what you're saying. But because you never get Unless his like voice like, beyond his little like really well the whole time. That's true. Mostly what you've gotten for Link in the past is just like, yeah, ah, ah, <laughs> like all of his little noises as he like mm-hmm. smashes pots. Anyway. This this link talked a lot and had so many feelings and like nobody to process them with except for Beetle the Merchant and I felt very bad for him. Yeah, I think of my link when I'm playing the game is like a relatively cheerful little lad. Um but this this link isn't and now I feel like I can't go back to the game because I'm just like actively giving Link trauma every time I get freaking stuck in the ocean or whatever because this fic has so many times where he's like and I'm stuck on the raft or whatever and I'm like I'm sorry Link I couldn't get you off of it I don't know how to play your game <laughs> like this, this fic like guilted me as a player about how badly I play the game yeah there's like this implication of like God's incompetence but like I'm God, <laughs> and I'm yeah, really exactly. I am incompetent, and I am sorry, Link. I think, yeah, in a lot of ways, this fic really does ask questions about sort of fate and destiny, yeah. <laughs> which is like always funny when it's about a video game because it's sort of like okay, there's like the set challenges that you have to like accomplish to like win the game or whatever that's like set out for you but it's also like la di da i'm spending time in this town because i'm scared to go fight the next creature um and what am i as yeah basically the god of the game but also like the 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 devs are like the god of the game so like who is really controlling anything it's not link that's no. for sure i'm sorry buddy you're helpless in your own story yeah wow like i was just thinking about one of my absolute favorite quests in the game is you get to build a house and then once you build a house you get to like you can keep coming back and you can add things like you can add a bed and a table and flowers outside and it's so lovely and then if you do all that you also get to build up a little town and both of those things are relevant in this fic but like i was so enamored by this sort of like home making of it i was like i get to have a little home and then like the next quest is like 
Oh, yeah. Uh, go recover the memory of Zelda that's um, in the castle where you go into the broken remnants of her room and you're like everything around you is death and destruction and trying to kill you. And you're seeing a snapshot of what things were 100 years ago when Zelda was peacefully writing a journal entry. Anyway, good luck, bud. <laughs> yeah, the fragmented memories in the game and in this fic feel like such an important hallmark of trauma. Like that's such a real thing that like your memories get a bit scattered, that certain particular like sense memories or situations can trigger them coming back up. Um, yeah, there's this question of like readiness to confront his past and the only way to defeat Ganon. It's not true. A, a good way to defeat Ganon is to uncover many of these memories because you're traveling around and you're doing all these things. Um, and so, yeah, in that way, it feels like this really interesting metaphor for, like, I don't know, healing for a very specific, almost, like, warlike purpose. Like, I have to figure this stuff out. I have to remember who I am. Link, remember who you are. And I have to go and, like, save the kingdom because I am the person who can do that. Let alone all of these, like, other super powerful beings that are trying to kill me. Like, send that energy towards Ganon, you fools. Are you kidding me? Uh, they suck. <laughs> who needs lore when you can be pissed off <laughs> huge, huge mood in general nick thank yeah, you yeah of course um but yeah it's interesting like what does it leave you with like if you if you forced yourself to confront things before you were ready and then you accomplished the one task that you hinged your entire identity on where does that leave you of course it leaves you having these complicated conversations with somebody of course it leaves you contemplating your own mortality and the many 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 times you probably have this link doesn't die a million times right my link certainly does um but like have come close to death have come close to perishing have been in these really perilous situations like it's all gonna bubble back up because you've spent all of this time confronting the hard stuff anyways you could get stuff done but when the stuff is done and you're sitting there with everything that you confronted how do you put the pieces back together i think that's such a huge question that this fic asks and i love this author for asking it yeah and like what do you have to put aside in order to like get that hard stuff done yes. then is what you're left with I think especially, too, because the memories are so hinged on failure. Like, the Link mm -hmm. of 100 years ago failed. Like, he died. His, mm -hmm. his like, main task was, yeah, like, kill Ganon, but it was protect the princess. And he died. Yeah. And, like... Oh, you are reminding me it's a bodyguard AU. Maybe I do care about the lore. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, like, every time you free a divine beast, you get to talk to the champion that was in it, who... They're like they have different like I don't know levels of friendliness I guess with you but it's like hey I've been I've been here trapped in this machine for a hundred years waiting for you waiting for you to wake up waiting for my second chance at this thing because I died the last time because it it, it all went south like it all went sideways and Sorry like to them and to like and and the memories of Zelda that he gets from these things where she's he's following her around as she keeps failing and failing and failing to unlock this like sacred power. I just found that so compelling and so sad. And okay, so I had made a joke about to my co-hosts about um, BDG's Unraveled of um, the Zelda timeline, which I would highly suggest because any BDG Unraveled is very funny. But I was like, Basketball Link, because I hadn't watched the video in so long and I hadn't really remembered. I just remembered that was like a thing. But it turns out, mm -hmm. according to BDG, after Ocarina of Time, the timeline splits into three paths. And it's, it's Kid Link, Adult Link, and Basketball Link. And Basketball yeah. Link is the one where he fails. It's the one where he mm. fucks up and doesn't kill Ganon or like fails his task. <laughs> then there's a whole bunch of other things that go on. Um, I should play I'm so that sorry one. for this Link that he's Basketball Link, um, the Link of this fic a little bit and also of the game. I don't know. Because I, I think it's so... 
I think something that is really compelling to me and that I have seen in fic as well is the sort of um, the narrative of like, what am I looking for? Like destiny or prophecy or predestined fate, um, which we had kind of mentioned earlier that like more or less every single Zelda game is Link and Zelda fighting Ganon over and over and over again. It doesn't matter how many times you kill him. It doesn't matter in which form he shows up or which path you take or which game you're playing. Like that's always going to be what happens. And Breath of the Wild kind of posits like they tried and they failed. So now you have to try again, but Link's question in this fic a lot is like, why? Like, why am I bothering to try again when it's all so miserable and so hard? Well, as you're saying that, Reed, one thing that we were, I think, all talking about before we started recording is this idea that our fics do have this really interesting through line, not only about non-sexual intimacy, which, like, again, is kind of the point of this episode, but also this idea of, like, recurring story, um... And not necessarily like reincarnation specifically, though obviously we get kind of some of that in Link and Zelda. Um, but this idea that there are stories in the world that we just tell over and over again, and that there are a lot of ways that they can end. Sometimes they'll end in the same way, and sometimes they'll end in different ways. Um, my fic is a fairy tale story, right? We're talking about the fae and the mortal that stumbled into the fairy circle, and this quest for immortality via these tests that are being put out. That's a very like old story in a lot of ways. Uh, Brenna's got one iteration of many of Sherlock and Watson. Uh, we have we have seen so many, and that's again like we're getting to see these two characters and similar stories, right? We're getting their their backstories and their their paths. A lot of the story beats are going to feel similar because there's just such a big ove of like original Sherlock Holmes detective stories. Um, and then Link and Zelda who are appearing over and over again, not only within just Breath of the Wild twice, but within the entire genre, the entire series, I should say, of Zelda games where, yeah, Link is back. Ganon is back and he's bad, baby. Uh, <laughs> and they gotta figure it out. There is, I don't know, it's like... I think one angle you could take is the angle that the link of this fic takes for quite a lot of the fic, which is, what is the point if we're just doing the same thing over and over? Uh, enterprising ficlets might remember, I've talked about this thing a long time ago, um, this idea that like I really hate the idea of predestination and fate. I don't want my life to be predetermined. It stresses me out as a concept. Um, I don't think everything happens for a capital R reason necessarily. And so the idea of like being pushed into that is anxiety inducing but also yeah kind of just like demoralizing and hopeless making if you will um but i really like that i think all of our stories on a meta level posit the opposite that not not that there is only one way for the story to go but that there's a million ways for the story to go and we're going to keep telling new stories over and over and over again even if they are very old stories because there are all of these branching paths. I just find that like really lovely. And I was not expecting for us to have such a, a deep synthesized connection on this particular themed episode. But I'm glad we did. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think like to to that point too, that like um, sort of going off of predestination is uh, the Link and Zelda of this fic. There, There is a lot of romantic, like Link is like, I love her. What the fuck do I do about it? And Zelda says like, I chose you not because you were the boy in the prophecy and our fates were tied, but because I wanted to choose you. And that I found very nice, too, that, like, of course, there's going to be companionship and connection with them forged by the mere fact of, like, they are the only two survivors of, well, I guess there's Uma in this fic who is, like, 108 years old or whatever, and she remembers the calamity. But, like, 
they're the two at the heart of it, right? And they're the two that survived out of their group of friends, out of the group of champions and whatnot. Um, but it didn't, like, it doesn't have to end with Link and Zelda being romantic. It never, I, I shouldn't say it never is explicitly in the games. I've only played, like, four of the franchise games. But to my knowledge, um, the romantic thing is not really the canon thing. And so I kind of liked that in this fic it was like a, yes, this is where fate put us and also this is what we're choosing. I mean, I feel like with all three of these, it's it has that element of, like, this is where fate put us, but, like, this is what we're choosing, or, like, this is how we're choosing to negotiate that with each other. Yeah, and I think the one thing, a direction I was trying to go and I got lost in my own sauce was also this idea that, like, there can be something very hopeful about the idea that no matter how this particular iteration of the story goes, there's always going to be another chance. Yeah. Something I do just want to shout out is, um, and both my co-hosts, I think, like, referenced this, but I was so, so impressed by, like, how many little canon things were in here. Um, like, there's a reference to, like, a ladder behind the statue of Hylia that that whole bit actually made me so emotional. I, that is the reason I picked up the game after not playing it for a couple months to go see. The ladder doesn't exist or I was stupid and couldn't find it in the Temple of Time. But <laughs> just sort of the, like, reference to be, like, like, I don't know, there was a thing about, like, oh, if I had known this was here, I could have skipped to the end of the story faster. Like, it was, I think, the most... Um, like obvious nod to it being a video game in a way that I really liked but there were so many things like the chasing star fragments and whatnot that just felt like you could tell how much time this author has spent in this game um, in a way that I really appreciated because I also have spent too many hours in it and it was really lovely to feel so rooted in it um, and I also just want to I want to read a line because that's what I do I love to I love to read lines from the fix we bring um, I thought some of the prose here was so lovely um, sort of towards the end as Link and Zelda, but especially Link, have processed some of the grief and trauma that we've been talking about. Um, Link says, I'm not a very good person, but if you would have me, I would gladly give you my life. You've already done that once, Link, Zelda says. Do something else. What do you want, Link? Open your eyes. Save yourself. Okay, then. Can I kiss you? And I just thought that was so sweet. Like, there's no literal swords to fall on. There's no evil to defeat. It's just you and your feelings and the life that you want to build with this person. Um, I just really liked that so much. So, yeah, this has been our discussion of... I stopped to smell the blood in the trees and for a moment the world is so beautiful it brings me to tears by Perennials. Um, a truly just like wonderful what if post canon fic i think if you've spent any amount of time well maybe not any amount of time i think if you spent uh, a decent amount of time getting yourself immersed in the world of breath of the wild you would probably also really enjoy this fic um yeah thank you to my co-hosts i do really appreciate whenever you let me drag you to reed's video game corner Thank you so much for listening to this episode of FitClick. If you enjoyed it, you can find us all over the place. All over town, baby. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter for <laughs> as long as Twitter is up um, at FitClick. Uh, you can uh, email us long form if you'd like to at fitclickpod at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts. We also have a very lovely, active, uh, and in my opinion, sexy Discord server um, that you can join. It's linked on our Twitter. Uh, we have our whole like link tree with all kinds of links in there. Feel free to scope it out. Um, but it's a very nice fandom space, and I have always really enjoyed spending time in there. Plus, uh, if Twitter goes down, you should probably be in our Discord to continue to receive updates, because I don't know what we'll do <laughs> otherwise. <get> in there. <laughs> 
maybe a mass email list? No clue. <laughs> but get, get on in there while you can. Um, also, while you can, uh, you could also get some merch. I don't think it's going anywhere, but but now is a good time to get some if you want. Uh, it's up on Redbubble. Now's also a really good time to leave us a review. Um, you can do so on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast hosting site of your choice that accepts reviews. Um, we love to hear from you and your kind, kind words really help us out. And if you're getting into the generous giving spirit of the holidays a little bit early this year, uh, maybe you want to drop FitClick a couple bucks. Um, we now have a Ko-Fi where you can do so, and we would be eternally grateful for your support in helping us continue our pod. Maybe if Twitter does go down, we can use like the Ko-Fi uh, donations to sort of like get ads in other places, be like marketing, be like, hello, ah. hello, FitClick <laughs> yeah. still exists. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. As this episode is releasing today, um, we are in the middle of our matching period for Rec Exchange, which is super exciting. Um, if you missed signups, we are so sorry, but there's always next year. Um, if you have signed up, matches will be going out in a little under a week. Our next episode is coming out on December 9th, and it is a very special episode because it is our host Rec Exchange episode. Um, in case you have not listened to either of the past the previous two, um, which you should because certified bangers all around. Um, in the style of the event that we're running, we um, each get a host. There's only three of us, so we've circled back to what we have done the first time around. But we basically pick a fic that we think the other host would really like. Something in the style like maybe this host would bring this fic to the pod if they had found it first. But they didn't. A different host found it for them. Um, yeah, so Nick, who are you wrecking for and what are you bringing? I'm wrecking for my friend Brenna, um, and the fic that I'm bringing, I brought a little shorty, uh, so it's just under 3k. This fic is called Once and Future by Olivia Searcy, and it has two fandoms. One of them is Winter Solstice Camelot Station by John M. Ford. Uh, this is a poem. It's quite long. I've read it um, in finding this fic. And the other tag is Arthurian mythology and related fandoms. This is like a, a short story. It's very Christmassy uh, about Camelot with characters, some that we recognize and some that maybe we do not. Wow, I love this. <laughs> There's also a 20 minute long podfic uh, that is like fully soundscaped. I didn't recommend Brenna the podfic, but I do recommend that everyone check it out because we'll talk about it when we get to the episode, but it's very cool. Yeah. It makes oh, it sound like I that. hate podfic. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Brenna said, if you bring a podfic, then I'll be so mad and I'm leaving the show. Wow. So I was like, okay, I won't. <laughs> okay. It'd be very it's similar slander. to how um, a little bit ago, Brenna was like, oh, no, I don't know what to bring for Reed. And Nick kept recommending ships that they know I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live to tarnish your reputation. Yeah. <sighs> wow. I'm really excited about that, Nick. That sounds great. <laughs> Uh, the fic I am bringing for next episode, which is a rec for Reed, is called Jeffrey Nullier's, quote, Man with Fedora by Copper Badge. This is a gen fic for the fandom White Collar, um, and ah! I'm very excited about just... it. <laughs> it's very much like an episodic kind of case fic fic featuring these characters, and Reed and I have been watching White Collar, so. Oh, I'm delighted. What a good fandom poll. I'm so excited. Um, okay, Nick, yes. what I have for you, I have brought you <clears throat> Bodyguard AU, Famous Not Famous, uh -huh, uh -huh. and Women, again. Um, oh? 
I okay. This is really funny because um, I did say I wasn't going to bring you a K-pop fix. I was like, "There's nothing I could bring for K-pop." But then, but then I found this one. Um, okay. I'm bringing you "All I Want" by Young Legends for the fandom Luna, and the relationship is Heejin Hyunjin. Oh, okay. I'm stoked. I'm hyped. I cannot wait for this. Thank you. Yeah, it is 21K, so it's not a shorty. Nice. I'm gonna bite into it. I was going to say like a feral animal, but that seemed kind of like I was coming on strong. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. I'm so excited to read all of these. Me too. I'm already deeming this a success. We'll see how I feel next episode (laughs) when we actually record it, but I feel like we've done a good job. Fair. I also feel like we've done a good job. Okay, Ficklets. um, Honestly, I think once we're done recording, I'm probably going to go pick up Breath of the Wild and try to find those last two shrines that I need to 100% my file. Bye! Hey, Ficklets, I'm going to continue to test my co-host's patience every episode. (laughs) Bye! Hi, Ficklets, I'm going to move to New York and solve crimes. Bye! Oh, boy! All right! Good luck! Career change! Yeah, thanks! (laughs) 